Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us. Well, it's uh, great to uh, praise the Lord with you today. Thank you for being here to worship our God, to draw into His presence and to love Him with your presence and to be near Him. It's, it's always a good thing. We as a church are learning how to pray, learning how to love our God in, in uh, prayer. Uh, I don't think any of us here would uh, think that we've arrived in our prayer life, have we? Uh, probably nobody here has arrived in the sense of being intimate and close to God and being in His presence all the time. Uh, but God wants that. He wants us near. He wants us close. And that's kind of the big purpose of our sermon series on prayer, is that we would be a people that are drawing closer and closer to God. We'd be in His presence. We'd know Him better. We'd be walking with Him throughout the week. How was your week with God? How was your time with uh, the Lord Jesus this week? Did you spend a lot of time talking with Him? Did you spend a lot of time in His presence? Were you close? Were you near? Uh, the beautiful thing that we've learned so far is that uh, God, our Father in heaven, He has made it possible for us to know Him and to love Him and be present with Him. Uh, I, I'd encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to go back and listen to last week's sermon on just the amazing thing that God has done to, uh, to make a relationship with us and to draw us near and close. Um, but today we are starting on uh, the Lord's Prayer in, in the petition section of it. If you'd open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Uh, a very simple prayer, but the depths of it have yet to be founded. A very direct prayer, but a prayer that uh, you cannot... Stop, find its end. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus is speaking to His disciples and He says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. And we'll stop there today. The most important lesson we've learned is that our Father is like the father of the prodigal. Though He dwells in the heavens, our great God dwells in the heavens. He's, he's great, He's glorious, He's wondrous, He's infinite, all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful, as Luke alluded to, the Creator of heavens and earth. He is so great, we wonder, how can we ever approach this God? How can we ever draw near to this God? How can we ever know this God? Jesus acknowledges the reality of our God and His reality. He is great. He is in the heavens. But He is our Father. The thinking about our God is so important. The way we, we process uh, who He is is so important. I would say that if you come here today and you look at God as an ogre, if you look at God as a fly-off-the-handle angry person, if you look at God as somebody that you can't trust, if you look at God as somebody who's unreliable or unfaithful, who's unkind, who's just mean, you're going to have a hard time praying. 
You're going to have a hard time entering into His presence. And so Jesus, as we talked about last week, uh, um, I think, enough, said that uh, He is our Father. Not the fathers that are broken, not the fathers that have fallen, not the fathers that are in, 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 inadequate like, like myself, but He is the Father, our Father in heaven. Always welcoming, always receiving, always wants us present, always looking out for us. Uh, and the amazing thing about our Father, not only does He love us, He likes us. And He wants us to be, be close. He saved us to be close forever, to walk in intimacy with Him like He did in the garden. So Jesus, uh, He sets that off. He's great, but He's our Father. And though there's just, there's just uh, you could ponder that, you could write poems about that, you could write stories about that, the incredible nature of our Father. But Jesus calls us to pray, and so He starts a series of petitions. And uh, if you've never been exposed to the Lord's Prayer or talked about the Lord's Prayer or studied it before, it starts off with three thou prayers. Okay? Uh, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so the prayers start by focusing on God. Now, many of us have a lot of prayer needs and requests in our life right now. Like maybe you're praying for sick parents. Maybe you know someone who has COVID right now and you're praying for them. Maybe you're praying for children that are going through a difficult time at school or a brother or sister that's, that's uh, just struggling with various things. Maybe you're praying for your children, all the things that they're facing, all the challenges they're facing. Maybe you're praying for your coworkers or your staff or the people around you. And so we, we know we have this long list of things that we could bring before the Lord on the horizontal level. You know, and that's why it says, Our Father... We, we are in a community. Uh, Jesus, as He portrays uh, God in His nature, we've been saved to be in a community, to pray for one another, to love one another, serve one another. But it doesn't start with prayer. In Jesus' mind, when He thinks of prayer, He always starts with Thou, with, with the great God, with, with the wondrous, glorious God. Because you think about, think about Jesus. Before He was incarnate, where, where was He? Before He took on flesh, He dwelt in the Father's presence. The Father, Son, and Spirit, they were in perfect unity, harmony, the Trinity, one. And He knew the glory of heaven. He knew the glory of God. He knew the wonder and the splendor of God. <clears throat> and, you know, He comes down to earth and He sees how people treat God. How, how people look at God and how people process God or, or talk to God. And I imagine there's times like He was just, His breath was taken away. Do you realize who you're talking to? Do you realize that He's the eternal one? Do you realize He's the glorious one? Do you realize how wonderful He is? And so, and so Jesus knows where to start in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Uh, hallowed. Anybody got a hallow today? Now, what is hallow? What is hallowed? What is a verb, a noun? What's going on here? So hallow is an old word that means to set apart as sacred. If you hallow something, you set it apart as important, as a priority. To hallow something is you set it apart as sacred, divine, something special, something not common. Hallowed be 
your name, Lord. <clears throat> uh, we sang that song, How Majestic is Your Name in All the Earth. I mean, you start, you start thinking about all the times in Scripture where it talks about God's name, you, you start wondering, uh, what's, what's the deal about hallowing God's name? What's the deal about making uh, a big deal about His name? Well, in our, in our culture, right, we don't think about the name as something very important sometimes. Maybe it's a, a title, uh, Sergeant Jones or Pastor Duran or something. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just a label. But in the Hebrew way of thinking, a name was the essence of a person. So my parents named me Jeron, and, and I, I always ask my parents, like, why'd you name me that? You know, and my, my dad has a story. He got it from a crop duster that he knew in North Dakota. And, and I, did it mean anything? And he goes, I never asked. <laughs> and, and, so, and so I've always been frustrated. People are like, well, what does your name mean? I don't know. I, my parents did a lot of drugs in the 60s. I, you know, could have been. I don't know. So I, I came up with that to mock my parents. It, you know, I don't, it's not as fun anymore. But you know, in our culture, my name is it's just it's, it's associated with me, but it's not my essence. It's not my being. It's not my character. You might come to know Jeron as something or this or that, but the Hebrew way of thinking, they actually named their kids on purpose. They wanted their, their kids to have this character, this essence that it went along with their names. And it started to derive from this idea that Yahweh revealed His name. Jehovah revealed his name to Moses. Remember in Exodus 3, uh, he's saying, Hey Moses, you need to, I've got a job for you. You're going to go talk to Pharaoh and you're going to go talk to your, your, your nation, your people. And Moses said, hey, hey, hold on, what's your name? I need to know your name. See, in the Hebrew way of thinking, to communicate with somebody, to connect with somebody, to have a relationship with somebody, you need to know their name. So sometimes it's misused in Scripture, like people learn people's names so they can manipulate them and control them. But Moses is like, I need to know your name. And so God says, I'm, I am who I am. And we uh, take that, that name and we, we, through English, through all the translations, and we, we say it's Yahweh or Jehovah. Uh, his name is important. So when, 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 you, when you use the name properly, God is worshipped. When you misuse the name, He's not worshipped. Okay? And so uh, Jesus has a concern that the Father's name, our Father, that He be treated as holy. What, what is God? How, how do you define God? Probably the greatest way to define God, we, we talk about God as love, God is light, God is, God is holy. Holiness is an attribute, but it's something that only God has. Everything else in creation is unholy compared to the Holy One. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Cried out the angels. He is holy. He is distinct. He is separate. He's not common. He's not normal. He's not like everything else. He's on a whole nother level. Infinitely higher than anything that's been created. The eternal one, the infinite one, is holy. And so Jesus teaches us to pray when you start praying. You start with the glory of God. You start with who He is. And then you go from there. Okay? But we, we often start with our laundry list of prayers. And, and, and then we say, oh yeah, and you're my God and I worship you. But please give me this, give me that, give me that. Give me everything I want. Right? It, so it's... Uh, the second part of the Lord's Prayer is we petitions. 
Say, we, we, we say, give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins, protect us from evil. So it starts with God. And isn't that interesting how in the scriptures, this is the way it always is. Remember the Ten Commandments? Remember what was the first of the Ten Commandments, the first tablet? It was all about our relationship with God, the vertical relationship, the Ten Commandments. Uh, all about our, our connection with God. Don't sin against God in these ways. And then the second tablet, it's all about a relationship on the horizontal level with people. And so Jesus, in his summary of the Ten Commandments, he said, love God and love people. And so in the Lord's Prayer, it's worship God, love God, honor God, and then love people and, and pray for people and pray for your needs. And so it's consistent that way through Scripture. God's name is His essence, and so we want to hallow it. Uh, <clears throat> the, the, the Hebrews were very concerned with making sure that God's name was treated with respect. And, and rightfully so. The fourth commandment, if you just turn to Exodus 20 real fast. Uh, Exodus 20, uh, look, at, look at verse 7. Exodus 20, verse 7. The uh, fourth commandment. The third commandment, uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Verse 7, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Okay, so uh, Jesus is obviously playing off of that some because in Jesus' prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's what we sang in Psalm 8. He's going back to the Old Testament and, he, and he's, he's teaching off of what's already been revealed. God's name is so holy and so honorable and so worthy of worship, we dare not drag it through the mud. We dare not drag it through sin. We dare not uh, treat it as common. Uh, how, how, the, the, the Hebrew people, they were so concerned about mis, misusing the name that they got in the habit of not pronouncing it. <laughs> they got in the habit of not writing it. And so they would substitute generic names for deity like Elohim, or Adonai, they, they didn't want to say Yahweh or the, the great I Am. They didn't want to write it. So sometimes they would use substitutes. Like instead of God says in their, in their sentences, they would, they would say heaven says or heaven preaches or heaven does this or that because they, they were so respectful of the name and they didn't want to mess with God and take His name in vain that they, they, were, they, they treaded lightly around it. Okay. Uh, what, what I would say to that is, is God has revealed His name. It's okay to say Yahweh. It's okay to pray to Jesus. It's okay to use His name because He's revealed His name to us. We should use it. But we dare not misuse it. Have you ever thought how people misuse God's holy name? And again, it's in the context of, of asking a question, what does it mean to hallow the name? And making a big deal about the name, how, how do people misuse or take God's name in vain? Well, uh, you go to work this week, you go to the college this week, you go to uh, different places this week, you're going to hear God's name used in profanity. People are going to profane His name again and again. They're going to take God's name as a curse word. They're going to use Jesus' name as a curse word. And, and that, that's treating it in, in a vain way, in a wrong way, in a worldly way, when it's holy. Because the name represents God. It stands for Him. It's His essence. And so we sometimes, maybe the, the, the home of origin we grew up in, dad would always take God's name in vain. Or uh, maybe your workplace or the people that you go to work with, they're always taking God's name in vain. It's so easy to fall into that habit to treat God as common or impure when He's not. 
So Jesus teaches us to pray uh, that His name would be honored, that His name would be made holy. Other, other ways that people misuse the name, well, sometimes people uh, uh, in, our, in our culture, even to this day, they, they tend to uh, use uh, names of deity sometimes as curses, okay, against people. They, they curse people in, in God's name. Or, like in our culture, uh, Wicca, uh, I think it's kind of, I don't know where it is today, or, or, or horoscopes and things. Sometimes people, when they want to cast spells or they have incantations that they want to gain power over someone, they'll use names of deity, deities, or they use names that they think is powerful. They'll use it in their incantation and their prayer. So people will even say, uh, uh, Lord God, Curse so-and-so. They, they mix it into their incantations. That's a misuse of God's holy name. You know, if you're, if you're into New Age stuff or Wicca kind of stuff and you are taking God's name and using it to attack someone or to curse someone or to bless yourself, uh, that's, that's not good. It's, it's a misuse of His name. Other people take vows in God's name. Have you ever heard of that? Like you're signing a contract with somebody or... Or maybe you're uh, talking to the pre professor and you say, I swear in God's name I'm going to have this assignment to you by Monday. Or I, in Jesus' name, I'm going to fulfill my contract. Right? And, and, and what is that? G you know, the word says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you drag God's name into your business, you're profaning it. Uh, when, we, when we use God's name in an unholy way, like, because what are you saying? Uh, if you, you make someone a promise, uh, you should keep your promise, right? And so if you feel the need to make a vow to take God's name to make your promise sound important, you're using God, you're manipulating God to get someone to give you business or to make someone trust you. Why aren't you trustworthy in and of yourself? Why do you have to drag God into it? Okay, so, so making vows using God's name is dangerous. Uh, the, there, there's different ways that people mi misuse the name. Uh, it, it, uh, politics, right? It, isn't it awesome? It's, it's a great thing when politicians and political parties, when they're crying out for God for help, when they're crying out to God and they're asking God, please help our nation. Please help our city. Please help our community. God, please move and heal the land. When I hear politicians, no matter what political party, with that tone, I'm like, amen. Man, you've been placed in a position of power and authority, and for you to crowd on behalf of your constituents is a beautiful thing. What turns my stomach is when politicians and political parties, when they invoke God when they baptize God's name in their agenda. When they have this platform or they have this thing they want to accomplish, they say, God wants this too. God wants this too. God's going to use this. God's going to... And, and what, what happens is, you hear that enough, both political parties saying, God we're, the God, we're the party of God. We're the party that's with God and we're close to God. And, and you wonder, what's God think about that? It's dangerous business to misuse God's name. Very dangerous business to misuse God's name because He is a holy God. He will not be treated with contempt. He will not be used or manipulated 
for people's agendas, fallen agendas. There's all kinds of ways that we misuse the name. But Jesus says that we should pray for His name to be hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. What's he asking for? This is a prayer where we go to God and we say, God, would you please make your name holy throughout the earth? Meaning, the world doesn't see you as you are. My co-workers don't see you as you are. My classmates, my, my family, they treat you with contempt. My, my group of people that I hang out with, they, they don't realize who you are. Oh Lord, our Lord, would you please reveal yourself to people and show them who you are. Show them your glory. Show them your splendor. Show them how great you are. So that they will come to worship you. They will come to honor you. They will come to glorify you. Um, as you go to work this week, as you go to your classes this week, um, you're going to see people do things and you're going to hear people say things and you're going to see people act in certain ways where they obviously are not afraid of God at all. Or they obviously do not respect Him at all. Or they honestly do not honor Him in any shape, way, or form. And you might realize as you look around that you aren't honoring God. In every one of these petitions, it's directed towards God. God, do this. God, do that. But when we pray these prayers, when we say, God, may your name be hallowed, there's the unspoken uh, tag with it. May I treat you as holy as well. May I treat you as you deserve, God. May I worship you as you are worthy to be worshipped. May I ascribe to you the worth that is yours. What would God, if, if you get in the habit of praying as Jesus teaches you to pray, and this was a normal part of your routine, this is a normal part of the way you live, uh, to ask for His name to be hallowed, what, what would it look like if He answered this prayer? I, I want to show you some of uh, the, the Old Testament and what, what God did, and then some of the New Testament, what God did when, when he answered this prayer in a, in, in a different setting, a different place. You remember Moses again? Uh, remember, remember how God called Moses to go to Pharaoh and go to the Egyptians? And God told him, tell, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses goes, okay, I, I can probably do that. You, you, know, I, you know, I can't speak. I, you know, he had all these excuses, but eventually he said, okay, I'll go. Uh, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But then God said, um, but you know what, Moses? He's not going to listen to you. What? Yeah, tell him to let my people go, but he's not going to listen to you at all. What? Imagine preaching a sermon and nobody wanted to do what you were preaching. Imagine being a preacher and, and nobody repented or nobody turned in a new way after hearing the Word of God. Moses was told beforehand, yeah, go preach to him, go preach to the nation of Egypt, but they're not going to listen. Wow, thanks. Sign me up. Can't wait to go. Right? What was God up to there? Why was He hardening Pharaoh's heart? Why was He, why was he making it so Pharaoh wouldn't repent? Could it have something to do with His glory? 
Look at Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7, verse 4. What does it mean for God to hallow His name? Exodus chapter 7, verse 4. And again, here's, here's God to Moses. Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. So he's talking about the plagues, the ten plagues. Verse 5. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. We pray, God, make your name known. And God says, okay, you want, to make, you want me to make my name known in your life? You want me to make myself known in the world? Uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh asks Moses, well, I don't know who your God is. Who is this? And God says, I'll show you. He revealed His holiness through the plagues. He revealed His holiness by delivering Israel out of Egypt. He showed them His greatness. When God says, hallowed be my, my name, when, when he, if He acts on that, He's going to reveal Himself and show Himself and people are going to be in awe. What a great prayer to pray in our day. Remember the book of Job? Remember, remember Job, how he went through such difficult times and he lost so much. He suffered so greatly. His wife told him, curse God and die. And he said, no, you know, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I'll, I'll return. I'm not going to curse God. But he went through so many trials and tribulations and, and his friends came and, and they started talking to him and, and they, you know, they, they said, man, Job, if you'd only repent, you sinned against God somehow. And Job says, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. And they're going back and forth and his friends are pontificating and they're preaching at him and telling him all the things he's doing wrong. And Job's saying, I'm innocent. And he's theologizing, to, you know, I've done everything right. You know, I just want to meet God and all this. And you go through the whole book and then, and then God shows up. And I've heard what you guys have been saying about me and here's what's what. And at the end of the book of Job, guess where all the people are? They are silent. <laughs> Job says, I repent in dust and ashes for all the things I said. Because now I see you. Now I understand your greatness. Now I understand how wonderful you are. Now I understand how glorious you are. See, when we pray that God's name would be hallowed, it would be set apart as holy, that He would be revealed. He would be treated as He deserves. Uh, look at Matthew chapter, I'm going to skip up to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 17, verse 1. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus is with His disciples. He's been preaching and teaching and traveling the land. And after six days, verse 1, Jesus took with Him Peter, James, and John, kind of His inner circle of the disciples. Uh, his, his brother, and, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. What does transfigured mean? It was meaning he's being revealed for who he is. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. <laughs> and jump down to verse 5. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Uh, and, and what happened with the disciples then? When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. Uh, <clears throat> the disciples had been walking with Jesus for some time at this point, for a couple of years, 
probably. And they, they never really saw the holiness of Jesus. They never really came to grips with how glorious He was in His splendor. They never, they never really had their eyes open to who He truly was. But God, the Father, brought Him up on the mountain. Here's my Son. And all they could do is fall on their face. God revealed His holiness to the disciples. And being human, they, they fell back into some old ways. They started treating Jesus as common again here and there. And uh, they wouldn't listen to His word. Remember, Peter denied Jesus, etc., etc. And, and, but for a moment, for a moment they saw God and His holiness and His glory. God revealed His holiness and His name was hallowed in that place. <clears throat> May God's name be treated as holy by His church. May God's name be exalted by His people whom He's redeemed and bought with a price. May God's people give Him the glory that He deserves. Uh, Jesus in, in his, his first petition, he teaches us to pray for God's, uh, for us to pray that God would hallow His name. What would happen in our life if, if we started going down that road and praying those four words? If you just stopped right here with the Lord's Prayer and this became part of your life, I can almost guarantee you that your life will be transformed. If this was something that really you prayed, and it was really true that you wanted this, things would happen. You could, you could again, you, you could pray all day this prayer. As, as you're going to the grocery store and you, you, you see a friend there, you could say, man, I, I see Susie and, and I, I know that her husband just left her and... Uh, I know she's bitter and angry and she's taken it out on you, Lord. May, uh, may you be hallowed in Susie's sight. Or, uh, or, or Bob, he got the COVID and he was, uh, he was out of work for a month and he, he lost uh, his truck and he's, he just he thinks you're mad at him or something and he, he doesn't understand you, Lord. May, may you uh, help him see you as you are. May, Lord, you hallow your name in his sight. Uh, you could do this with your kids at school. You know, some of you school teachers, you know, the things that they're going through through the day, you see their home life and you see the struggles they have. You could pray for, for them to have a vision of God and, and be changed because they know who God is and, and they, they come to see things in a different way because they, they've met with God. Uh, you, could, you could pray this all day, but you realize what happens. Uh, Jesus, the master teacher, Jesus, the master instructor, Jesus, the, the, the master uh, of education, he knows if He could get us praying this, if this becomes part of our soul, if this becomes part of our rhythm in our life, what happens when you pray that God's name would be hallowed, you are put in a position to think differently. You're being challenged to look at your own life. If you pray this prayer on a regular basis, you start thinking... Well, Lord, am, am I treating you as you deserve? 
Am I living in a righteous way before you? I mean, it's impossible to pray this without, you know, the fingers pointing back at you or the, or the prayer coming back at you and, and God by His Spirit and His grace. Now, now we're all learning how to pray and none of us arrived and, and sometimes this prayer will be said in a rote way or maybe said in a mechanical way. You know, we're people, we got busy lives, we got chaotic lives, we got all kinds of things going on. Sometimes we, we say it, but over time, this rhythm becomes part of, of us. And, and as we're praying and we're seeking God's glory in the earth and we're asking Him to hallow His name and, and make people holy, uh, understand His holiness, somehow that comes back on us. And, and it changes us because we can't keep praying this prayer and stay the way we are. And the Holy Spirit dwelling in us will convict us of our need to change and be transformed and, and become people more in alignment with who He is. And so it's this beautiful thing. And every one of these petitions, it's the same thing. And so we, we look at this and, oh, what a simple prayer. What, what a you know, four-letter prayer, a four-word prayer. And, it, and it's so much deeper than that. And the Creator knows how we've been created. The Creator knows how we've been put together. And so He set up this prayer for us to pray, and we might not, not understand, we might not see the effects of it on the outside, but there's a churning going in as the Spirit works in our heart and our soul and our mind, and we are changed by these kind of prayers. <clears throat> uh, brothers and sisters, God is inviting you and I into a deeper relationship with Him. God is inviting us to know Him better. God is inviting us to experience Him on His terms, not on our terms, on His expectations, not on our expectations, but Jesus is teaching us to pray because He wants us near. Remember last week, Jesus' big teaching was abide in me as the branch abides in the stump, as the branch abides in the vine. I want you to be so close to me that you're always present. Uh, how do I do that, Lord? Well, He's given us a pattern, a launching off point, a, a, a way of organizing our, categorizing our minds in ways that uh, we can spend all day just praying one of these phrases. And uh, what a blessing. Brothers and sisters, I call you to pray. I call you to dwell in God's presence. I call you to reprioritize your life so that you're with Him. Uh, we all, I think, desire prayer, but it takes practice and it takes a intentionality. And so I call you to, to uh, start the process of lear learning this habit and Start the process of, of becoming a person of prayer. The results, the outcomes will be out of this world. Would you please stand in the Lord's presence? Oh, holy God, we ask for your forgiveness if we've lived in ways that have been unholy. Oh, holy God, we ask for your forgiveness if we've not given you the time of day. O oh, Creator of heaven and earth, we 
We ask your forgiveness for allowing our gaze to fall only on worldly things that are passing away. When you're right here with us. Lord, thank you for loving us so wonderfully. Thank you for your whole scripture, your whole Bible, from beginning to end, talking about redemption and and rescue and reconciliation and bringing us close. Thank you for providing for the, need, the means of us being saved, of us being justified, of us being sanctified, and one day us being glorified. Thank you for providing all the, all the work so that we could draw near. Thank you for inhabiting us, God, and thank you for being with us always. Lord, may your name be hallowed in our life. Lord, reveal Yourself to us so that we can treat You as You are, treat You as You deserve, that we might realize Your presence and Your holiness. Bless us, Lord, and teach us to pray. In Your mighty and honorable name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God, by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless. Mm-hmm.